is Bloomberg Surveillance. There's certainly a heightened set of risks in the U.S. economy right now, and that's because the United States isn't an island. We're part of a global economy. We're throwing away 8% of GDP on health care in ways that no other country does. The big argument about excessive low interest rates for a very long period of time is it warps the investment pattern on real investment. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Good morning, everyone. Michael McKee and Tom Keene from Washington, D.C., after Super Tuesday, we've had some fabulous uh, moments here the last few days. Coming up, the uh, American economy and our economic politics. Jared Bernstein join us, joining us with terrific research over the years on our dynamics of inequality, of income and wealth. Jared Bernstein, of course, uh, with a public service tenure with Vice President Biden as well. Bloomberg Surveillance this morning. And brought to you by Cone Resnick Accounting Tax Advisory. Regulatory changes can impact your business. See how the experts at Cone Resnick can help you navigate these complexities. Find out more at ConeResnick.com. Uh, and Michael McKee, uh, you, you, it's always a shock when you see it. And you never get over it. But earthquake news again and not of the funny kind whatsoever. No, this is a magnitude 8.2 quake, uh, some 763 miles southwest of Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia. There is the possibility of a tsunami. We are waiting to find out uh, whether that is happening. Now, a magnitude 8.2 earthquake is about the size that struck Tokyo uh, and uh, Japan uh, a couple of years ago. However, um, it all depends on how deep it was and how far away it was from land and whether there's a tsunami or not. So we know there's a big earthquake. We do not know what the outcome is going to be. Stay tuned. We'll uh, bring you the headlines as soon as we get them. Yeah, and uh, looking at the map, still trying to, to locate any number of them today, but this is, again, near uh, in, in the broader vicinity of Singapore as well. We'll give you more details on that. This is just coming out now, an earthquake near Malaysia with tsunami uh, warning. It was a tsunami yesterday in politics. We thought we would give you economic perspective. Jared Bernstein uh, joins us now. He's been such a benefit to us with the Center on Budget and Policy uh, Priorities. Jared Bernstein, let me start first with Secretary Clinton. You had service with Vice President Biden. Is there a rationality to Secretary Clinton's budget promises? Oh, yes, I think there is. Uh, uh, she is, uh, I think, pretty disciplined in her proposals in terms of figuring out how you raise what we call here in Washington the pay-fors, that is, the revenues to pay for the ideas that she's espousing. Now, what she can tell us, and I don't know that anyone could, is how she's going to get a, a, a gridlocked Congress to get behind her. These are not the kinds of ideas that you can do by executive order or rule change, the kind um. of thing the president can do herself. So there is the political dimension, but I think uh, it, 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 it's actually interesting. People don't typically accuse Secretary Clinton's numbers of not adding up, uh, because I think they probably do. So much of the uh, critique on the other side has been a budget policy of fiction, and I think that's coming really from all angles. I'm remarkable, Jared, how people that you don't speak to agree with Jared Bernstein on this matter. What is the level of fiction you hear in Republican budget rhetoric right now? Is it worst ever, or is this just a normal process? It's worst ever, and I can actually quantify that. I mean, everyone always says worst ever, but I can actually quantify it. If you look at the largest tax cuts that have ever 
ever occurred. They are significantly smaller as a share of GDP than any of the ones the Republican candidates are proposing. Now, that might be fine if, if you really want to cut the heck out of taxes, if that's where you're coming from, and some people are. But in order to not explode the deficit, you'd have to cut so much other spending, literally up to 90% under some of these plans, and nobody will ever accomplish that. It simply won't happen. So, yes, uh, uh, deep fantasies on, on, the, on, the, on the Republican side in terms of tax cuts. And to be fair and, par- and nonpartisan here, um, Bernie Sanders' plan involves a level of tax increases uh, that we haven't seen in the past, such that government as a share of the economy would go from its kind of traditional level of about 20, 21, maybe 22 percent to something closer to 30 percent. Now, that's not uncommon in European social democracies, and in fact, the candidate tells you that that's where he's coming from. So he's not trying to pull the wool over anyone's eyes, but that's a very, very different uh, sort of uh, uh, relationship between government and the economy than we've historically had. But as you try to put together uh, an economic program for a candidate, uh, for an administration, it's easy to move the numbers around, but it's very hard to move public opinion around. Americans' uh, tax burden is much lower than it has been in a very long time, and yet people would totally disagree with what I just said and think that they are overtaxed and uh, underappreciated by their government. And you see the, the Trump people, the Trump fans don't care that his numbers make no sense. So how do you deal with that part of it? Well, you were kind of telling the story of my life right now, uh, not to get down on the, uh, on the, on the psychiatrist uh, couch, but it is pretty hard for those of us who are in the facts business to be operating in a world where facts uh, don't have a lot of, uh, of traction. I will say this, though. It's easy to kind of cast aspersions. I'm not saying you were doing this, but I, uh, it's easy to cast aspersions at, at people for their misperceptions. But I think you have to admit that the federal government is uniquely dysfunctional and not working in any way that any of us would recognize. I mean, you guys go to work and do your job. I go to work and do my job. Lots of people who are angry right now go to work and do their jobs. And yet, for all the taxes they're paying, and you're right, in historical terms, they're not particularly high. Uh, they feel that the people on the other side of, that, of, of those tax receipts don't go to work and do their job. And then that's yeah. a source of anger. Jared, to switch gears, so much of it is about economic growth. I believe somebody long ago said morning in America. What part of the day is it in America right now? It seems like a lot of people are doing better. Are we really? I wouldn't say a lot of people are doing better. I would say it's kind of maybe mid-afternoon. Um, <laughs> it's hard to say because we don't know uh, where the next recession is. All we know is that this expansion uh, is about six and a half years old, and that's longer than the average expansion. Uh, I think the idea of mourning in America kind of comes from the early 1980s being a period after a pretty deep recession, and it was, uh, it looked, uh, I think, very plausible that growth was going to was going to increase. Uh, what they didn't see then and what we know now is that that growth is going to be highly unequal. So yes, while the economy has been growing consistently for six and a half years, the labor market is particularly strong with low unemployment and, and decent job growth. The benefits of growth are only now beginning to reach more people, and that's pretty late in the game for that to be occurring. Well, I go back to um, what I was asking earlier about how you deal with that. I mean, is there... Is there a, a carrot that you offer people 
uh, do you have to be willing at this point to accept some additional deficit spending to cut taxes again, or is cutting taxes just uh, not going to work given the level of expenditure we have? Well, frankly, I don't think we can afford to be cutting taxes given what we're looking at, even just in terms of demographics. Uh, if we want to have a sustainable uh, budget going forward. We know that uh, folks like me, and maybe you guys, I can't see you, it's, it's the radio, um, are aging baby boomers, and based on demographics alone, we're going to need to uh, somewhat ratchet up uh, our expenditures to meet the uh, entitlement program, or uh, Social Security, Medicare, uh, to meet those demands. So I don't see uh, a rationale towards, you know, certainly large or significant tax cuts. I, I know that I suspect uh, candidate Hillary Clinton has talked about at some point coming forward with some sort of a tax cut for the middle class. We'll see what that looks like. But I kind of walk around mm -hmm. thinking that uh, the, the way forward is not so much to contemplate cutting taxes. It's to think about an agenda that will help reconnect people's prosperity to the growing economy. So it's really focused more on pushing back on these inequality trends we've been discussing. Let's come back with Jared Bernstein with the Center uh, on Budget Policy Priorities. Uh, we'll continue our discussion here of the fiscal side and economic side. Um, as the election process gets interesting to Michigan and then on to Florida uh, two weeks from uh, yesterday, Mike McKee, I've never seen an earthquake announced with so little information on the Internet. It is Mentawe. This is off of Bloomberg uh, News. It is a huge earthquake. Uh, near Mentawi, M-E-N-T-A-W-A-I, southwest, 763 miles from Kuala Lumpur, uh, Malaysia, and it's just original how little information there is on this right now. Well, I'm finding it very interesting because there is uh, there are headlines out from the Malaysians and from the Indonesian uh, quake agencies, but nothing on the U.S. Geological yeah. Survey uh, earthquake site yet. So um, usually the USGS is sort of the worldwide authority, and you look to them first. So this is an interesting situation. We will, of course, continue to monitor this and bring you any news that we can as soon as we can. And we want to be careful on that because, again, the news flow off of this is very, very, um, very, very uh, challenging. We'll continue to uh, give you headlines because off the Bloomberg, an 8.2, a very large earthquake uh, in the vicinity of Malaysia and Singapore as well. Futures negative 4, Dow futures negative 30. Oil finally weaker after two, three good days. Brent crude 36.70 per barrel down, oh, 10 cents uh, this morning. Now let's bring in Michael Barr with the latest world and national headlines. Michael. Thank you very much, Mike and Tom. Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton have widened their leads after Super Tuesday contest. Overall, Trump and Clinton each won seven states. As you had mentioned earlier, there is word of an 8.2 earthquake that has hit off Kuala Lumpur. Malaysian authorities are checking to see if there are any casualties, but nothing yet so far from the U.S. Geological Survey. The U.N. Security Council votes today on a resolution that would impose the toughest sanctions on North Korea in two decades. The U.S. and North Korea's traditional ally, China, spent seven weeks negotiating the new sanctions in response to Pyongyang's latest nuclear test and rocket launch. Both are in defiance of previous council resolutions. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus from around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom? 
And Michael, thank you so much. The yen weaker, 114.29. That's a big move over three days, 114.29 from a 112 handle uh, earlier. Euro churns a 108.57 as well. From Washington, this is Bloomberg Surveillance. The news update brought to you by the Town of Hempstead Industrial Development Agency. Find out how to put the Town of Hempstead IDA to work for your business. Call 1-800-593-3870 or visit tohida.org.